Hey guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. When I listen to sports, I go to one place and one podcast. And that's by my guy, Andrew Moody, my favorite Cubs fan, and Pat Aducey. This is the Zoomer Sports Radio Podcast. Enjoy and have fun. These guys know what they're talking about. Yeah, that injury by Embiid. I mean, can Simmons and Tobias Harris carry the load? I mean, what does this mean for the Sixers going forward? Because that injury, I mean, he's questionable for game five, but I'm expecting he's not going to play. Well, Joel, Joel Embiid is the leader of that Sixers team. There's no denying that. Obviously, you have generational talents in Ben Simmons and a great basketball player in Tobias Harris, but Tobias Harris cannot win you games if he shoots like he did last night. Eight for 24, that's 33% from the field. You cannot have your second-best player shooting that bad, and we all know Ben Simmons can't shoot. So how are the Sixers going to score all these points when they don't have that big man in the paint that can pick up, pick up buckets, uh, secondhand shots, secondhand points, and you, guys, and you have no shooters? How are you going to win games, especially against this Westbrook-dominated uh, Wizards team? They might come back. I don't know if it's ever happened. Has a team ever came back from three games to zero in NBA postseason history? No team has ever came back from 3-0, but I will say this. Is this going to be the first time if Embiid is out the rest of the series? I'm not going to go that far, but, I mean, I've watched Atlanta play the way they're rolling by the Knicks right now. I could see them being a dangerous out in the second round. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Tobias Harris, he's been a very inconsistent player the whole season. So I don't think he's enough to carry the load with Embiid's injury. I think that he outweighs what they can do on the basketball court. How much of a mistake is that now? I mean, obviously the Heat are bounced out, but keeping Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler has really not turned out well for the Sixers, just in my 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 opinion. Well, I think Jimmy just didn't want to be in Philadelphia anymore. I mean, he definitely wanted to be the number one option on a, on a team, and he definitely proved last year he could, I mean, by getting to the finals. But was that a fluke season? Was that the bubble that saved them? That's what it's looking like because they just got swept by the Bucks. And what does this mean for the Heat going forward? I think they're going to be aggressive in free agency and got to get someone else because I think that that season, that run, was just happened to be some magic they found in the bubble. Yeah, and that leads us to a good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 36 of the Zoomer Sports Radio on this beautiful June 1st day. Hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. Pat, I know you probably had a great Memorial Day weekend. Pat's in the house for the first time since... Oh, since uh, I'm getting PTSD uh, going back to that game. First time in the house since the uh, Illinois Loyola March Madness game. Uh, I've kind of had a I've had a two month mourning period. That's why we haven't done that. That's the reason we haven't done shows. I've had my two month mourning period of loss. Just got to get all the grief out. And I'm back. Illinois is in the past. Illinois, we're having we're have a good season next year. Hopefully Trent and DeMonte are coming back. But Pat's back and we're talking NBA. Pat, how are we doing today? They're doing great. It's been a long time, like you mentioned, since we've done a show. And hopefully, you're going to see an upgrade in our shows from now on because you are seeing not only us again in the studio, but you're seeing the vaccinated version of me and you. So there we go. The shows are going to be up another level from now on. Let's oh, get it course. going. The, the, the vaccine just, just made you better at podcasting. Just So if you want to become a good podcaster, let's do it. All right, so going exactly. back into uh, talking Sixers, that game. So Joel Embiid, he's he's in for eleven minutes. He gets he gets taken out of the game with right knee soreness. MRI or an MRI will be coming today, so we know the severity. If he will be back by say game game was it game five? He'd be back or game, game five? Seven, yeah, game six. And that's it. And I would like to bring this up to you, yeah. Pat. Oh, go ahead. Game okay, five, so. he'll most likely miss. Our game five will most likely miss. Yeah, so he, after 11 minutes of playing yesterday, right came out with right knee soreness. And here's an interesting stat about the 76ers. When Embiid is in the lineup, the 76ers are 39 and 12. When he's, when he's not, they're 10 and 11 without him, under 500. And that is the uh, best record for any player in the NBA, minimum 1,000 minutes played this year. So Embiid being out is bigger Honestly, maybe the biggest injury for a team in all of the NBA playoffs. And that's why he's an MVP candidate. But I will bring up this other stat about the Sixers. Here's why I worry about them. Not just this round. I think that they'll find a way to win this series. But coming up in the second round, if they get to the conference finals, who knows? They're 16 and 17 versus winning teams. That's with or without Embiid. So I worry in the future 
will they be able to handle better teams as they advance in the playoffs? Because the stats tell you um, they're not as great as some other teams. Like, I mean, Milwaukee's been rolling. We know what the Nets can do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how far they advance with or without Embiid. I agree. And Pat just got to ask this little question. I see you wearing a Sixers jersey there. Uh, mind showing us what player that is? The one and the only trust the oh. process. He's wearing the Joel Embiid jersey. Joel Embiid. Yeah, so he's wear. That's a solid jersey choice. Uh, going back to the Sixers. So Westbrook last night, crazy great game. He had 21 rebounds. You don't see, you don't see guards really, or you don't see point guards ever getting more than 20 rebounds ever. Yeah, that, and that's, that's a coach. just astronomical. As a coach, I don't know if I'd want my guard rebounding that much, but at the same time, it's very impressive and inspirational to watch what he can do on the basketball court. You know, a lot of people like to hate on him, but I think he's underappreciated. He's, I mean, right now he trails only LeBron and Magic in playoff triple-doubles. He has the lead record in triple-doubles. So, yeah, it's exciting to watch him play nonetheless. Uh, granted, it was on 16% shooting last night. Oh, it was terrible. Points. Three for 19. But – Collectively, the Wizards played really well. They had six guys. No, they had seven guys in double figures. That just shows how well they played, and they were able to take advantage of the Sixers' liabilities yesterday. I'm just going to say this. If you can win games with your superstar, one of your two, obviously Bradley Beal, with your superstar shooting 16%, you're a good basketball team. I think the Wizards are underrated. They just didn't have time to mesh this season. It was, I mean, obviously COVID, a lot lot of restrictions, especially at the beginning beginning of the season so I didn't have a lot of time to form chemistry and stuff obviously so I like this Russell Westbrook 19 points only made three shots from the field 13 free throws made 14 assists Russ that just shows something if your superstar can win you games and only make three shots obviously you want better but that's still very impressive yeah like you mentioned the Wizards were 13th in the east about halfway through the season and they were able to catch fire um one like I forgot what they went down the stretch, but they won a lot of the games late. So they did enough to get in the play-in tournament and then obviously make the field in the playoffs. But um, I think this is a playoff team going forward, definitely, absolutely. I, I would agree. And if, if only the Bulls could get to the playoffs. I, I didn't really – I don't know. Looking at it now, I don't know if that uh, Nikola Vukovic trade was worth it. What, what, it, what are your thoughts? It doesn't look like it. Dude, I mean, they gave first-rounders? Yeah. I, I didn't – I didn't think I get he's an all star, but two first rounders for Nikola Vukovic. I never and thought Wendell he, Carter. Yeah, he's he's not. I didn't think Nikola Vukovic was worth that much to give up. But hey, we yeah. trust in AK Artoris. Can't pronounce his last name. We trust in Artoris. We got to be like the brainwashed Sixers fans. Trust in the process. We got to trust Artoris. Mm-hmm. And Pat, so. Going on to, there's another game in the NBA last night. Big game out in the Western Conference. Jazz versus the Grizzlies, game four. Donovan yes. Mitchell dropped 30 points, became the third Jazz player in history, along with Carl Malone and Adrian Dantley, to record his 10th 30-plus point game in the postseason history. So, Pat, Donovan Mitchell, how, how crucial is he and Rudy Gobert to this Jazz team? And what a statement Donovan Mitchell's been making since the injury. But, yeah, they're very important. Um, probably one of the most important one-two punches in the playoffs right now. I mean, that's why they were the best team with the best record in the NBA. Uh, Gobert last night didn't have a huge game, 17 and eight, but you know, he was, he was, he made his presence known down low. He was able to do what he had to do for them to win. And this is a really young Memphis Grizzlies team. So I'm not going to take anything away from what they did wrong. This is still a young team. Making the playoffs to them is enough of a win. Uh, Taylor Jenkins has done a great job with that team getting into the playoffs. Obviously, John Morant, really exciting to watch. But, yeah, going back to the Jazz, just collectively, I mean, you got Mike Conley, who was a huge acquisition from Memphis a few years ago. You got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, who's the sixth man of the year. He's been playing really well for them. And then you got guys in the wings like Bogdanovich, uh, Royce O'Neal, who can be great role players and serviceable. So yeah, this I like Jazz Joe, team, Eng- Joe Engels too, uh, the shooting guard position off the bench. Yeah, I do see them, however, getting into a little bit of a battle in the second round, whether it's the Clippers or the Mavericks, because I think that 
both those teams as a four or five could be really problematic because they got a lot of weapons. And I think that those teams are probably more depth than this uh, Jazz team as well. They have more depth. Yeah, I think what the Jazz lack, what the Jazz lack that other teams have that would be the weakness. They don't have like a great elite wing defender. Like, I mean, Clippers they got Leonard. Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. Mavericks they got some guys. I think that down the stretch, that could be the weakness and why they can't get to a finals or maybe even the conference finals, depending on who they match up with. And so, yeah, the, the Mavericks, obviously you got, uh, can Tim Hardaway play a little defense? Yeah, they got Tim Hardaway, Dorian Richardson, Josh Richardson, uh, and then Porzingis down low. Not much of a huge threat defensively, but definitely a matchup. You got one of the youngest and brightest stars in the league, Luka Dantich. Yeah, exactly. So they got some skill players that they'd have to prepare for that I don't know how I don't know how they'd match up with in a seven game series because we haven't seen it yet. Go going all right, this is a big question here. We might get a TikTok clip out of this. Out of so both guys were drafted back to back. I believe it was a twenty twenty NBA draft. Zion Williams Zion Williamson. That was twenty twenty, right? 2019, 2019. Yeah. In the tw- so, in the 2019 draft, oh my god, I'm gonna restart that. My bad, Pat. In the 2019 NBA draft, Zion Williamson went number one. John Morant went number two. John Morant has led his team to the postseason. Zion is not. Zion has battled injuries. Going after their first two seasons, who do you think will have the better career, John Morant or Zion Williamson? Oh, that is tough. Who has more potential, Zion Williamson, but who oh, will have course. the best overall career? I'm factoring injury. I'm factoring, you know, durability, everything. And I'm factoring how they've led the team. I think I'm going to go with John Morant. I, I think that he's going to be a really good player. And I would not be surprised in the next three, four years if Memphis gets built to a top three team in the Western Conference because LeBron's going to age – the Clippers might decide hey, it doesn't work. We got to move off. And who knows how good Utah is. This just could be Quinn Snyder doing an unbelievable coaching job. And then obviously the Suns with Chris Paul. He's not going to stay there forever. So I'm going to say that jaw long-term is going to be the more generational talent. Actually, no, I take that back. Zion's a generational talent, but jaw I think long-term will be the better player for his team and will be winning more games and overall will – be the better player, I think. I was kind of hoping he had the other take because I also agree that Ja is going to be a better player just because I feel like he's more he's a better team player than Zion. He was he was the most slam dunk first pick, I think, since Anthony Davis back in the NBA draft. I would agree. Zion is a physical, he's a specimen. He is just what what is he? Two two eighty? Or yeah, he's two eighty four, six six seven, two eighty four, power forward. He shoots lefty. He, he's great in the paint. He averaged 27 points this year in 61 games. That That's very good. No, he like, set a record, I'm pretty sure, for like most points in, was it like 60, 70 games or something like that? It was really good, impressive. This, this draft has the potential of having the first two picks being Hall of Famers. That's how good these players are. I, I If Zion can stay healthy, he's a Hall of Famer. Like Just put 27 points per game. That's great numbers. Obviously... Rebounds, he's at um, where's the rebounds section? I'm on uh, oh, seven, seven's decent. I would like to see probably more rebounds out of him. Three point two assists, his first two leagues, and then Jaws over here with nineteen point one uh points. That's great. He's John Morant's a point guard. He's obviously got assists high at seven. I like. I I think these guys are Hall of Fame potential players. I don't know if you disagree or agree. I think these guys have a chance if they. Obviously, it's way too early. I think these guys have shots to go in the Hall of Fame, though. Yeah, no doubt. And Zion, to his point, I mean, he's already signed a shoe deal with Nike, so he's got that going for him. Huge. I mean, he, I believe he's one of the youngest to ever do it. But both these guys are going to have outstanding careers and Hall of Fame potential for sure. Oh, 100%. I, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping you're taking the Zion so I could uh, argue the jaw, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you. I love that pick. Love what you agree there with Ja and Pat. Before we talk Lakers Suns, because this is going to be a long segment, 
I would just like to say, what is going on with NBA fans right now? Is it just the adrenaline of being back in the arena with like full crowds or half crowds being back in action? NBA fans, what is going on? You're throwing popcorn at Russ Westbrook. You're throwing water bottles at Kyrie. You're running on the court during the middle of the Sixers game. What is going on with fans right now, Pat? It's extremely immature and really unacceptable. But at the same time, I can understand from the standpoint of, you know, these fans haven't been in the arena for over a year. So obviously, definitely a huge deal right now in the NBA. I mean, obviously, you got the water bottle thrown at Kyrie. The Is it worth thrown it? At Westbrook. Is it the- worth it to throw a Dasani at Kyrie and get arrested and probably get fired from your job? No. Just hold on to your Dasani and just boo Kyrie. Like, come on. And they even charged him with battery assault, which I thought was a little over the top. That's over the nonetheless, top. He should have just Kyrie uh, on that water bottle. He should have just been he should have been thrown out of the stadium, banned from where was that? That was at was that at TD or TD Barclays? Garden? Yeah, he should be banned from the TD Garden. That that's what that's what should happen to him. He he does not deserve battery assault. No, uh, it that, was extremely tedious. It was way over the top. That's way and, over the top. But at the same I think, time, I think you'll be able to win that win that one at court, that fan. Yeah. But I think anyway. that they they do have to ramp up the punishments a little bit for considering that it's gone on for this long. I mean, it's like the fifth time it's happened just in the playoffs alone, which the, could be, you know, just the excitement of being back in the arena. Yeah, that's the that's ability what I to express like yourself as fans. With all those fans finally being back, you there's a bunch of drunk assholes out there in the stands. Just I just had to bring it up because what was going on, I didn't know. And now let's shift over to the series everybody's talking about. Lakers, Suns. Pat, can I get your initial reaction after the first four games, series tied 2-2? My initial reaction, LeBron's going to make history. He's going to lose his first ever first-round playoff series. He's 14-0 in his career. Anthony Davis is out. I'm sorry, I don't think LeBron can carry this team. Not when you're going up against D-Book and Chris Paul, who's been in the year just as long as him. I mean, he's going to make a statement. If Chris Paul can stay healthy, when he's healthy, when he plays 30 or more minutes, they're 2-0 in the series. When he doesn't, they're 0-2. And Davis has been in all four of those games for the most part, and then he got injured last game. So what I read it as is that the Suns are going to win the series if Chris Paul stays healthy. I'm sorry, LeBron cannot carry this team of, KCP and Alex Caruso and whoa 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 Pat you know Alex Caruso's goaded come on now but I get your point we you know we love Alex Caruso we don't yeah, we don't we, tolerate Alex Caruso slander here yeah I'm just saying I don't think that LeBron yeah, I get can carry this team yeah I get what uh, no saying. no shot no shot on Alex Caruso I'm just I was just naming guys yeah and what I and I don't think I, Drummond can carry the load. Oh, Drummond? Drummond's, yeah. I've, I've actually seen stuff that people think Drummond is more valuable to that team than Anthony Davis is, which I think is just absurd. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I saw... Okay. It, it was just, like, dumb, like, TikToks and stuff that Andre Drummond's more valuable. I just thought that was stupid. I get Drummond gets rebounds, but AD is the main scorer on that team, unless you want to count LeBron. But over the past couple of years, AD, I feel like it's been the big scorer on that team. No, he's evolved himself into like a Kevin Durant type of player, I feel like. I mean, back in his day, back in his younger days, he wasn't nearly the versatile scorer he is right now. So, yeah, he's a lot more valuable. So, them losing him, I mean, I don't know when he's going to return. It's stu- it was a groin injury. So, I mean, that's not a one-day – that's not just a one-day injury. He's going to be out in a couple games at least. Oh, 100%. Uh, let's, let's get into it uh, more now. Uh here is my issue, though, with LeBron. Unless Father Time is finally caught up to LeBron, we know this is Bulls fans. In playoff series, LeBron, he will always give you hope. When we when the Bulls, 2011 Eastern Conference Finals, we won that game, first game big with that Taj Gibson famous dunk. And we, we were tied 2-2 with them when Derrick Rose made that buzzer beater. I was thinking that was 2014, 2015. 2015, yeah. 2015, yeah. And when we played them, Without him, when Noah Boozer, when Noah was an MVP candidate, he won Defensive Player of the Year. We won two games against them. He always gives you hope. You always win two or one games, and he always LeBron gives you hope. Then he takes a knife, cuts your heart out, 
then rips it out with his hand, squeezes your heart until all the blood's out. That's how I feel like cheering against LeBron. He always gives you hope in the NBA postseason. And then just rips. Yeah, going back to what you said about LeBron, I mean, I'm just thinking firsthand uh, 2018 Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. I mean, it was against Jason Tatum, who, I mean, they showed a picture with Jason and LeBron when Jason was like three years old. And then he had that massive dunk on LeBron. And then the Celtics were up like 10 in that game. The crowd was going crazy. Every home team had won the game in that series. And then LeBron, as you said, just rips your heart out, squeezes the blood out, and just closes them, closes a, um, a team of very mediocre Cavs players. You could call them the Cleveland LeBrons even because they made the finals solely because of him. They're not even going to make I mean, the playoffs. I would Kyrie him. helped them win it against the Warriors that one. Kyrie but, wasn't on that team. The what? Which one? The, the first 2018 Cavs. Oh no, the 2018 Cavs is Isaiah Thomas and a, and a bunch of just no. Was like Iman Shumpert still even on that team? His Iman Shumpert's made a basket since he entered the league. Oh my god. Oak Park kid. He's from Oak Park, but oh, he is. Yeah, he's from just Oak in case I didn't get that take. I kind of want to run through my LeBron thing again. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a editing nightmare, but uh, you know what? We're fine. We'll just we'll just use it. Uh, anyway, so but LeBron, here's once again my problem with LeBron. He's an attention whore. LeBron is an attention whore. You can't deny it. He in the NBA Finals. What was it? 2013 versus the Spurs. Like the air conditioning was out in the arena. He had to get carried off the court to the bench because he was having cramps by like four guys. Do you remember that? Professional actor right there. Yeah, and then That's what he is. And then what was that game one? He gets poked in the eye by Chris Paul. He's on the floor for 90 seconds. And then there's a scuffle between Montrez Harrell and a couple of guys. And then once the attention's on the scuffle, not him anymore, he collapses from a LeBron. Oscar award-winning actor, LeBron. We got to clap it up for LeBron. He's he's an Academy Award-winning Golden Globe, whatever award you want to give him. uh, um, Steven Spielberg Award, is that even a thing? That just give him every award for the greatest actor on history. He's better than Jack Nicholson or Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, all the great actors. Not better than LeBron. But uh, LeBron, LeBron pisses me off. Just such a he just gotta accept that his time has come. I mean, he's even admitted. Well, I don't think I, I don't think LeBron I don't think LeBron's time has come. I still think he's a top five player in the league. Well, no, his he's not done yet, but he's not a he's not in his prime anymore. Oh obviously. no, he's not in his prime. And Pat, would you consider that last ring a Mickey Mouse ring? Yes. Absolutely. He got bailed out by the bubble, by the shutdown. He's he his old ass needed some rest. He got it. And then, obviously, in the bubble, that's why he was able to win. If it weren't for that, I think the Clippers would have won. I think that you would have seen um, them lose in the conference finals. He got bailed out by the bubble 100%. Yeah, he got his fourth. I think I don't think he's going to get six. I really don't. No, I don't I, I would. I would really love Chris Paul to win a ring before he retires, and this year is looking pretty good for him maybe. Yeah, Chris Paul's the one guy in the league who I feel like deserves a ring based on what his career has meant. It's, I believe from his – was Chris Paul – no, he was 4 so he was not in the same draft class as LeBron. But, oh. yeah, I think that he deserves a ring. And the way it's looking this season, it looks like he's going to get one if yeah, he keeps hopefully. it up. I, I really hope uh, Chris Paul – I'm looking up what draft Chris Paul was in. He was in the uh He was in the same draft, draft as – Oh, oh, 05. Okay. Were you thinking of the White Howard draft? Yeah, that's 04. Nah, so in the 05 draft, we went Andrew Bogut first, Marvin Williams, Darren Williams, Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul, Raymond yeah. Felton. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was pretty good. Darren Williams, my Illini there. And then, other than that, not that many notable players went. Danny Granger, drafted. Andrew Bynum. Danny Granger was a one year wonder. He made yeah. an all star team one year and then just fell off. David Lee, he was the Starling. Oh. David Lee was the Starling Castro of the Golden State Warriors. He got traded the year he was on that team when they were bad. On that team, they started to get good. Traded the year before they won the championship. He was the Starling Castro of the Golden State Warriors. 
They got Monte <laughs> Ellis. As Dewey enters the background there. <laughs> there we go. Shout out to him. A cameo from Dewey. There we go. Uh, I think we've done a, a lot of basketball talk. Any um, final NBA things? Let's shift it over to NFL. Yeah, let's shift it over to some Julio Jones talk we got going. Yeah. NFL, huge news, Pat. Exactly today, we're 100 days away from NFL kickoff. Really? First game. Yeah, it's a 17 on- game season. Yeah. So a, whole, a bunch of records, single season records are going to be broken this year. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts? Do you like the 17 game schedule? Uh, personally, as a football fan, I mean, it's more football for us to watch. Of course, the it's same more football. Time. 17 is just an odd number. Like, why expand the season? Like, I'm sure the players need the rest. And I think there's going to be two, two bye weeks, too. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it like every team's playing a division winner based on your schedule from each division. So, and then ah. they have one random game. Like, the Bears are playing the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that's, that's such, such a game. random game. And I think the Bear. What what division do the Bears play this year? For AFC? they play the AFC North. Yeah. They play, oh. So they got that might a really be three losses. Schedule. That might be three losses right there. Ravens, then, uh, Browns, and Steelers. And I could see the Bengals and Joe Burrow going on the road and winning that game. Yeah. I I would like to see who they start, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. But anyway, we we could talk Bears, but we want to get into Julio Jones here. So. Here's a little things on a the background. Here's a little background on the Julio Jones situation. So, Julio Jones claimed that he on a undisputed with Shannon Sharp. He Shannon Sharp asked about his future with the Falcons, and he said, "quote unquote, quote unquote, I'm out of there." So, I think it's pretty known after that that he's gone. There's no way mm-hmm. Julio's coming back. And one of the teams that was considering trading for him, I think we can take out of the mix. Uh, I believe Shannon in that interview also asked him, what do you think about playing for the Cowboys? And he's just like, I want to win. So I don't know if that means that. Yeah, Dallas he doesn't want to go to Dallas. He doesn't want to go there because they already got a loaded receiving core. Oh, Gallup, Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. So as of right now, the teams I have in the mix, uh, and then one that I'm pretty sure is uh, of these seven, I'm pretty sure is out of the mix. I got you have Rams. Seven. I, I have four, four major ones, but I want to hear your seven. Yeah. Rams, Titans, Eagles, Seahawks, Patriots, Ravens, 49ers. I would also add the Colts and the Cardinals in there. Okay, yeah. So, because I have those two. All right, so I'm going to go through my four, which you have two of them. So, let's do the Seahawks together. Seahawks, how dangerous would that be? Russ Wilson at quarterback, DK Metcalf on the left side, Julio Jones on the right side, you got Tyler Lock on the slot. That, that's a defensive nightmare. Yeah, and with the amount of um, young receivers that Atlanta has, I don't think they would have to give up any of those, either Metcalf or Lockett, to get. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I think they just have to give up a first rounder. I think a first yeah, rounder have... is worth it for Julio. Oh, first round pick is more than worth it. And considering his age, I believe he's 30... 34. 34, 32. He is. Oh, he's 32. So he's got some time left. Yeah, it's, um, not like, it's not like he's Larry Fitzgerald, 37 years old. I think Julio Jones can get two more Julio-style seasons, if not more. No, he's definitely still capable of making a Pro Bowl. Um, of course. But on that Seahawks team, that wouldn't matter because they would just be loaded. They'd have – I mean, Russ would have unbelievable weapons. I think they'd top the Bucks as the best trio in the league. I still Obviously, think the Seahawks' problem would be defense, though. Defense wins championship. Yeah, I mean, they championships. They got Carlos Dunlap last year at the trade deadline, but then they soon lost him. Uh, obviously, they got Jamal Adams, Quadre Diggs, KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. But I mean, a lot of big name defenders, but that defense collectively just isn't the same. The off- offensive line is really bad, too. So it's, it's funny the shift that they had back when they won their Super Bowl and lost to Brady on the Malcolm Butler play. They were this big. Uh, Defense, Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Jeremy Lane, Brandon Browner, Byron Maxwell. I think I'm, I might be missing one more, but they had this great secondary. Now it's dilapidated. Not a single guy's left from that secondary. Yeah. Um, the only guy left from that team, I think, is Bobby Wagner and uh, KJ Wright. Mm-hmm. I think that's all they got left. And then uh, I. I'm, oh, go yeah, ahead. Go Pat. ahead. No, you go. Oh, ahead. I, I was going to say. 
another thing uh, I think the Falcons said they would like if necessary or if possible, they would like Julio to be on an AFC team. They'd like to trade with an AFC team. So that obviously Colts Titans. I, I really like that. Um, Obviously Colts. Let's look at their roster receiving core. Not great. You got Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Pascal, and T.Y. Hilton. I think you bring Julio in there instantly makes T.Y. Hilton better because T.Y. Hilton's not getting the not getting the best quarterback every game. It's going to Julio. And Julio can beat best quarterbacks. T.Y. Hilton isn't the same guy as when he was with Andrew Luck. Yeah, and T.Y. Hilton and Julio are around the same age, but T.Y. is not nearly as explosive or as talented as Julio. So oh, no, I don't think he, T.Y. He isn't even have... T.Y. was once a top 10 receiver in the league. I don't think he's even close to the top 20. Yeah, I'd say he's right around there. Um, yeah, I, but, I, he's still a great, very talented receiver, but he's not what he used to be. I think that's what we're trying to say. He's a fantasy disappointment from the year. But um, I think, yeah, the Colts could use him definitely because they – but they got a lot of young receivers, so I don't Zach know. Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman, yeah. Tariq Black, Paris Campbell. Just name he would few. do better on a veteran team, I'd say. Um, what, what about the Tennessee Titans? Now, this – would be this would be a we talked about defensive nightmare for Seahawks. This would be defensive murder. Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Julio Jones. Yeah, and they lost Corey Davis and Johnny Smith in free agency, so they could use. They someone did pick up to, Josh Reynolds though. Josh Reynolds, they did pick up, but I don't know if that, that's that's, cool. n- that's not going to replace Corey Davis. Josh Reynolds is a really good number three receiver. I don't think he's a number two. I would agree with you on that. And on the Rams, I'm pretty sure he was the number four because they had, well, back when they had Cooks, Woods, and, and Cup. Cup. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a number two either, but Julio, I think the Titans, if they're not, Titans and Colts, they're neck and neck, I think, for that AFC, AFC South division. I think if you put, Julio on either one of those teams. They're instantly higher than the other. And the Titans actually did lose Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, to the Falcons' head coaching job. So um, that's probably what would set them back if they were to take a step back this year. And I I think the Colts will win the division. But if the Titans land Julio Jones, that changes everything. I think it's going to depend on what Carson Wentz the Colts get. Do they get – that what was that the 2018 season 2017 season where he was MVP caliber or are they going to get last year's Carson Wentz who was terrible he got benched I, to Jalen Hurts he was benched to Nate Sudfield for God's sake that last game that but, I'm, I'm not gonna I, that was controversial so I'm not gonna count that against him Frank Wright uh, I think he was the OC in Philly when the Eagles were good I think he will I think he will fix Carson I truly do I think Carson Wentz will get fixed by fixed by Frank Wright. Yeah, I don't think he'll be quite to MVP form, but I think he's definitely going to be back to Pro Bowl level player ability. And I think that the Colts are going to win the division and make some noise in the playoffs. But if they get Julio, you know, he could come back to MVP form. We don't know. And then I want to go over the Cardinals, which the only reason I put them in there is that DeAndre Hopkins said he would rework his contract to make it more backloaded to get Julio in there. Just, just, all right, close your eyes. Just imagine you're a defensive coordinator going to plan. You see Cardinals week one in your schedule. You go to plan. You see D-Hop, Julio, and A.J. Green. And Christian Cook. Christian Kirk. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald if he comes back too. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but how, how are you going to game plan against that? Uh, I actually wasn't a huge fan of the A.J. Green pickup. I thought it was a little overrated. Uh, but obviously bringing in Julio, defensive coordinators would have to – they would not get any sleep. They I still think A.J. Green's going to have a, a better season this year because he's not going to be the number one target again. He's yeah. going to have the second guy to beat. He's a number be, two. Yeah, he'll be productive when – he does get his. Oh, and they got Rondale Moore from Purdue in the second round. Oh, that's right. This is, dude, the Cardinals might have a shot to win this division. Obviously, you got Chase Edmonds and James Conner in the backfield. Kyler Murray looking to have a good season. 
big pickup in J.J. Watt. Hopefully he can stay healthy, but... Chandler Jones will be back. Oh, Chandler Jones. Isaiah Simmons looking for a, a great sophomore season. Jordan Hicks in that linebacking core. Man. Buda Baker this, and Robert Alford, of course, in the secondary. This, this division team is, is This loaded. team is sneaky good. I think the NFC West best division because all four teams, maybe not the Niners, but if they could get back, if Jimmy G could play good or Trey Lance, they could have four potential teams in the playoffs. Obviously, it's not going to happen because it's never going to happen. But one team's always going to get left out. But they're going to at least have three teams like last year. No, no, they almost had three teams like last year. The Bears snuck over the Cardinals. But they're going to have three teams in this year. No, I'm thinking mark about- my words. Mark my words. June 1st at 9.27 a.m. Central Time, Andrew Moody stated on episode 36 of the Zoomer Sports Radio that there would be three teams from the NFC West in the playoffs. Mark my words, Pat. I got you. Um, but I'm looking at the rest of the NFC. NFC South. Bucks will obviously win the division. I could see the Saints missing the playoffs because they'll have Jameis and a new quarterback, new system. Hill. Uh, NFC North. I could see one of those teams making the playoffs and only one because Bears, we don't know. Uh, Packers. What's Aaron Rodgers' future? Which Aaron we'll Rodgers about- is going to the Denver Broncos. I think that might be – we should – after Julio, we got to talk some Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we'll talk that next. And then, uh, yeah, Vikings, you, you never know. Uh, Lions, we know the – They're terrible. Garbage. Terrible. Jared Goff, come on now. That's and then pathetic. the NFC East, historically, that's a one-team division the last few years. So, <laughs> that's like I could see all four. I could see all four NFC West teams making the playoffs. It's a very it's a very lopsided NFC. Uh, so Pat, you want to run through your other uh, five? I think you have five or four teams for who? Yeah. Um, this one I don't know that much about Eagles. I mean, they just got Devontae Smith, but they have the picks to make it done. Um, obviously, you got Julio Jones uh, and then Jalen Hurts, both Alabama guys. I mean, didn't play together, but um, you know some tradition there. And then obviously the Pats. You know they. We're aggressive in free agency, but they got oh, a lot I of I totally feet. forgot about the Patriots on my list. But, yeah, Bill Belichick was ag- aggressively wants Julio. Yeah, they got a lot and of B to C guys. In the, Cam Newton's uh, free agency. good friends with Julio. Mm-hmm. Playing against him all that time in Carolina. Yeah. And they got – um, uh, what you call it? They got Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, uh, John – Nelson Smith, Aguilar, dude. And if if <laughs> – Nestle Butterfinger was a player in the NFL, it would be Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Worst candy, worst receiver. I mean, he did have a good season with the Raiders, but... Um, Pat, what are your thoughts on uh, Butterfingers? Uh, I thought that was Jared Cook. So, he's... Evan Ingram, maybe? No, Evan Ingram's Evan brick hands. He's brick hands. Evan Ingram had no business going to the Pro Bowl last year at all. I, I agree. It should have been Robert Tanyan. It should have been. Even as a Bears fan, I'd say that confidently. I, but uh, Patriots could use a number one receiver for Cam. Of course. Nikhil Harry, I don't think is it. Nikhil Harry is a bust. And then and then had way better guys. But I think we're – you ready for some Rodgers talk? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Aaron Rodgers has just been seen in Hawaii posting pictures with actor Miles Teller and his wife or fiance. I don't know that whole thing. He skipped off-season OTAs. So did – for the the top four receivers, besides Amari Rodgers, he's a rookie, he has to go. But Marquez Valdez-Scandling, Devontae Adams, I can't name the other two because I just... Alan Lazard don't. and Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison is on the Lions, I believe now. Oh. So Alan Lazard's one of them. Don't remember the other one because, frankly... Oh, I, St. Brown? Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah. I, does Mark, because I think... I thought the Green Bay Packers had cra- wide receivers had crazy names. It's hard to remember. St. Brown... Marquez Valdez Scandling, those are crazy long names. Hard to remember. Alan Lazard, pretty easy. Devontae Adams, everyone knows Devontae Adams. But I think Rodgers' time in Green Bay is done. That'd be awesome for the Bears. That will be terrible for Patty Mahomes, my Chiefs, though. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, you're going into a division. It's really... a loss either way for me, Pat. It's a loss either way. There's One no of my team's week... got to face Rodgers twice. Yeah, and then the Broncos got a really good receiving core. Obviously, you got Jerry Judy, 
Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Sean Hamilton, Tim Patrick, really good five. And then you got Noah Fant, the tight end. You got uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon at running back. Royce Freeman, too. Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman, too. Oh, you can't, dude, Pat, you can't forget Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver who started at quarterback when they had all their quarterbacks out due to COVID. Come on, you can't forget Kendall Hinton. He's going to be the next Taysom Hill. Mark my words. (laughs) He was terrible. He was terrible. What two two completions, three interceptions that he have? Yeah, it was it was not good. I mean, mm-hmm. how are you gonna win that game? But is it too early? Do you think it's too early to give up on Drew Locke? Yes, he showed a very I strong agree. lack of lack of maturity. I mean, he's doing dances in the end zone, like he's making TikToks in the end zone. Stop it with that! You're the leader of a franchise. You're representing John Elway, the Denver Broncos. As a quarterback, you should not be doing that. In the end zone, unless you unless you've put yourself in not Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> well, no, for a wide receiver, it's different. But for a quarterback, you should not be unless you've earned the right to. You should not be doing that kind of stuff in the end zone, like Drew Locke. I mean, Drew Locke's still like kind of a nobody in the league. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that. Yeah, one. no one's going to want to trade for him either. I'm just saying, I think it's too early to bring Drew Locke to give up on Drew Locke, but. If you can get Aaron Rodgers, who's a top five quarterback in NFL history, you go and get Aaron Rodgers. That's a no-brainer. No doubt. So I think at this point, given the fact that him and four Packers receivers missed OTAs, I think they're all on board that they got to move off this thing. I mean, they drafted, they traded up to draft Jordan Love. You got to give him at least some starts. You can't just sit him the whole time. You got to see his potential. I mean, he wasn't even on the active roster last year. You traded for Blake Bortles. So I, I don't know how they were planning on using him, but they at least got him. They got they can I think they gotta move off of him. They definitely have to. And the Broncos right now is looking like a good option. Um obviously, I mean what what are the other candidates at this point? Uh Brett Ripon. <laughs> no, I'm talking about uh, Teddy where, Bridgewater. Uh, I'm t- I'm talking about where Rogers can land. Oh, Rogers I think the only spot that's been thrown out is Denver. I mean, maybe if they didn't draft Trey Lance, I'd say maybe San Francisco. Cause that's I would agree with you on that team. one. I mean, you could still go with Trey Lance, just like do a Garoppolo for Rodgers trade and like throw like three first-rounders in there. I think they would you, do that. You could groom Trey Lance. You could wit, possibly win a very, very competitive NFC West. And that's a lot, but Pat, it's June 1st. It's summer. That's enough fall football talk. Let's talk about our, our red hot Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Cubs. Here we go. They've won eight out of their last 10, seven out of the last eight to be exact. We are finally in first place over the St. Louis Cardinals, St. Louis scumbags, I should say. And we're having key no-name players step up with all of our injuries. Key no-name. Pat, tell me how many of these guys you know. Patrick Wisdom, Rafael Ortega, P.J. Higgins, Eric Sogard, Nick Martini. I've heard of Nick Martini, and that's it. I have not heard of any other of those guys. These guys are stepping up. Patrick Wisdom yesterday, he's a rookie. hit two homers. He's 29 years old, and he's a rookie. That's how just irrele- – they're taking these irrelevant players, putting them in the lineup, and they're, they're playing well. Rafael Ortega hit uh, a homer the other day. P.J. Higgins is doing great behind the plate as he, he's the backup for Wilson Contreras right now. Eric Sogard is a starter, and he's, he's, he's a career utility player, but he's starting right now, and he's playing well. Let me read you the Cubs injuries right now. A bunch of key players. Anthony Rizzo, back day-to-day. That's why you're seeing Patrick Wisdom in the lineup, Chris Bryant at first base. Trevor Williams, one of our starters on the 10-day DL. Jake Marisnik and Jason Hayward, both out on the DL. On the, it's the IL, the injured list, the 10-day injured list. Hamstring, both of them are out. As we see, Ortega and Martini, that's where they're filling them in. David Bodie, big home run versus the uh, the Reds last week. Won a one nothing game on a very cold Friday night or Friday afternoon. Very cold. He had the homer there, dislocated his shoulder the next day. Nico Horner, 10-day IL. Matt Duffy, 10-day IL. Matt Duffy was very – Matt Duffy was flaming hot Cheetos at the plate. He was on fire. He was doing everything right. Alec Mills, back injury, 10-day IL. So I'm just naming you. Bunch of key players, Bodie, Horner, Hayward, Rizzo, 
all on the IL. And we're having these no-name guys step up. That's just very that's just how you that's how you win World Series. I'm not saying this is a World Series team, but they're a lot better than we thought they were gonna be. We were worried they might finish fourth in this division, Pat. Yeah, they're catching fire at the right time. And obviously, we got a good core of guys who have been able to stay healthy, like Peterson, Bryant Baez. Uh, Hap's been a bit of a disappointment this year, but uh, he's, he's done decent. He's done decent, but I, yeah, uh, I'll pull up a hat stat hat. Oh, I cannot speak. Ian Hap stats. Uh, Ian Hap right now. Uh, my Wi-Fi's. Uh, he's batting two oh seven. So yes, he's been a disappointment at the plate, but he's got yeah. a little power number, six homers. But good point, Pat. Ian Hap has been a disappointment. But, I mean, like, to start the series off against the Padres, who look like the best team in the league as of right now, to be – I mean, Big we'll see how they can night. keep this going. Baez Huge win. Deep twice. Brian Huge went win deep. Wisdom went deep twice. Unfortunately, Tatis Jr. went deep. Mm-hmm. You see that play Tatis Jr. had, uh, the rundown? Like, he that was missed insane. the tag. That wasn't as cool as Javi Baez, though, in Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. Dude, a rundown between home and first base. Will Craig, the Pirates' first baseman – all he had to do was step on first base. The run would not have scored. There was two outs, and Bias gets a second base on a on a dribbler. I don't or on a ground out the third baseman. He wants him more. He clearly does because what what mm-hmm. is Bias batting like? Two, oh, he's batting two sixty. He's better than I thought he was. I thought Bias is struggling a little. Yeah, thirteen homers, thirty six RBIs. Bias is Bias is doing sneaky well, but Chris Bryant, we need to extend Chris Bryant. We need to lock him down, Chris Bryant. He's batting 324 right now, 12 homers, 36 RBIs, OPS 1.016. So high right now. I think the guy we need to extend this offseason is Rizzo and Bryant, not Baez and Rizzo. Yeah, and I mean the fact that just a couple of years ago we were considering trading Bryant. We wanted to bring in Arenado. Obviously that didn't work out. It paid off because, I mean, Bryant's been bouncing back. He's been having a great year. And the Cubs right now, how many games are they ahead of the – Cardinals. One half. They're half a game. One half. One half a game. They can keep this Cardinals. going. Half a game ahead of the Cardinals and one and a half games ahead of the Brewers. Yeah, and then a lot better than the last ten. So if they can keep this going, yeah, their it run differential is like... plus thirty-two. Everyone else in the division, Cardinals is exactly even. Brewers minus twelve. Reds minus sixteen. Pirates minus seventy-eight. That's terrible. Just saying, there's mm-hmm. hope there. And guess what, Pat? With the Cubs. LeBron James can't come us to us, take a knife, open up our chest, rips our heart out, and squeeze us blood until there's no blood left. LeBron can't do this. LeBron can't do that to our Cubs. There's no LeBron to do that, correct? And um, The Cubs only do that to themselves. We, we beat ourselves. That's facts. I mean, obviously, last year against the Marlins in the playoffs proved a little too much. But, um, we scored yeah, one, I'm looking one for one each game. Uh, but, yeah. The Cubs are hot, red hot. I love what I get from these guys. Wisdom, Ortega. The pitching staff's doing well. Our bullpen is doing phenomenal right now. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Keegan Thompson and uh, Tommy. Craig Kimbrell is – I can finally trust Craig Kimbrell again. It is so nice to have an elite closer. Mm-hmm. But And what we saw yesterday from Cole Stewart – Cole Stewart, great, um, great bullpen day start. Andrew Chaffin's had an awesome season. Uh, Ryan Tapera, of course, the guy who got an MVP vote last year. And then I'm I'm hoping Tommy we get Nance. a little better from yeah. Tommy Nance did great last night on the first on his first. Uh, I think that was his first appearance. Nah, he's he's been in before, but uh, I, I'm hoping for better from Jake Arrieta. Well, mm-hmm. but Pat, I think it's time we uh. Going to our brand new segment. Let's hear it. All right. Are you ready for it, Pat? I'm ready. Are you all right, guys? Brand new segment. We're gonna do this after every episode. No matter what the episode is, we're gonna do a top five list. Now, how is this gonna work, Pat? I'm gonna give you the first pick here. And the first pick is a big advantage because it's not like a snake draft. No. First pick, you get the first pick for every round. So Second pick is the second pick for every round. There's going to be five rounds, so obviously it's the top five. So you're going to get your first choice. You're going to get your second choice maybe if I don't pick it. But you're going to have the first pick for every round. And what we're going to do is we're going to post both the lists on our Instagram page. So make sure you go follow that Instagram, zoomer.sports on Instagram. 
make sure you go follow us there and we're going to post a poll on our story and you vote for who had the better top five list and we're going to keep stats of how we of how well we do mm-hmm. so it's going to be like a draft yeah it's going to be yeah but we're just going to be ranking our top five list but once someone takes it it's they're gone yep but it's not exactly a draft it's just top five list they're gone if they're gone like Say, say if we were ranking SpongeBob characters, we're gonna rank crazy stuff, not all sports related. Mm-hmm. Say we were taking SpongeBob characters. Say I have first pick, I take SpongeBob. You can't take SpongeBob. You can take Patrick. You can take Mr. Krabs. You can't take SpongeBob. Got so it. So I like this. I, I'm pretty pumped. Pat, do you I want like to re- do you want to release the topic idea for this for this top five ranking? Our first one. So our first one this week, we're just gonna keep it sports related to start off. We're going with. College basketball announces, so we're going to rank the top five for each. Let's go. I'm pumped for this one. College basketball announcers, we all love them. We all listen to them. We all love – I think college basketball has one of the, have some of the most talented broadcasters in all of sports. I think them and the NFL are the most talented. I think you would agree with that one. Without a doubt. Definitely cream the crop when it comes to announcers. All right, Pat. If you want to get ready, you're on the clock with your, or your, yeah, you're on the clock with your first pick, first ranking. We're gonna go one through five. We're gonna start at the best. Okay, so the best, my favorite college basketball announcer, used to do a lot more. Used to do CBS, but as of right now, he just does the Big East tournament. Oh, I'm gonna no, go with Gus it, Johnson. No, that's my, my pick. <laughs> Instant classic. <laughs> Gus Johnson is some of the best calls. He's. Pat, He's uh, electric. It's, it's, it's he pick. lights up pick. the arena. It's your yeah. pick. You explain your pick. I just think that the energy he brings is unmatched to any other announcer. I mean, some of his best calls, he's just screaming his head off. He just The passion he brings to the game is just amazing and great to listen to. It's what makes college basketball so great is primarily what he contributes when he's the announcer. It's just so fun to watch. We got to get him back on March Madness because he was just perfect for March Madness. It's the energy, the upsets, the buzzer beaters, and he, Gus Johnson, is by far the best at matching his energy with how they with the flow of the game. If it's mm-hmm. a close game, you'll know it's a close game. Gus Johnson will make you know it's a good play. And also, I love him on the Big Ten Championship for football, too, on Fox. That's with true, Gus yeah. Gus Johnson there. Oh, this is a basketball draft. Great, great, great first pick. I, I love that Gus Johnson pick. All right, Pat, you ready for my pick? For yeah. number one, I'm taking this guy calls Big Ten Network games and also is on also on Fox Sports along Gus Johnson. I'm taking Illinois legend Stephen Bardo with my first pick. There we go. It's a solid yeah, so pick. I, I, Stephen Bardo, he, I, what I love about Bardo is I think he's the best analyst at telling you the flow of the game, telling – He's the best at telling you what you can't see from your TV screen. When he's at the, when he's, when he's, oh, I can't speak. When he's broadcasting, he tells you if he notices a player on the bench doing something that you won't see because you're watching the game. He's the best at picking little things up on the court that tendencies that say he's watching Trent Frazier and he's missing his jump shot. Say he's, he, he can notice and he's best. He's so good at, delivering the game and explaining what's going on and just he's not I love him he is a great presentation for this game Steven Bardo is my favorite and analyst in the game and one of the best he's the best at picking up and pre- he's he's the best at pre- presenting the game he's the best at picking up on those little things that you won't you can't see at home he's the best present I've said this already he's the best presenter of a game from the analyst point of view the color commentator yeah like you said he's a great one of the best color commentators in the game based on everything he does in analyzing the game. And that's he a really the solid picture in your pick. head, even though you can already see it. He just, he gets the little things right that you can't see on TV and you go, Oh, it, ma- it makes more sense. Why the coach did this, why this player isn't playing well, why this player is hot in the corner. Yeah. That's why big 10 games are really good to watch because of what he provides. I love Bardo on the call. That's why Bardo's my number one. That's why Bardo's my number one choice. Number one announcer, Pat. What's your number two? I think we should do – I think it would be more, like, even list if we did a snake draft. So, like, you do your number two, and then I do my number two and three. No, I, I think – I like this, the top five, just because it provides an advantage. All right. I'm on my second pick, and I'm going to go with 
from um, what's it called? Monday night, Big Monday. He does a lot of these games. Are you taking? I think I know Bob Lashuzum. Taking... I, oh. I love when he announces the Monday night games. Just similar to Gus Johnson, not nearly as emphatic, but he provides a great energy when a game's close. I mean, I remember he did the Kansas West Virginia game a few years ago when they had that crazy comeback. You could just feel the electricity. He does a lot of games with Dick Vitale as well, who we might bring up later on on the list. But the amount of electricity he brings to the game, just really fun to watch when he's the announcer. He also does some of the bowl games for college football. But, you know, he does his job on ESPN better than a lot of ESPN announcers out there. And um, I love watching Great the game. Great play-by-play guy. Great, He's yeah, terrific great, play-by-play. Great play-by-play guy, one of the best at ESPN. That was a good pick for you. He he was a little, a little lower. Might be on my top. He might have been on my top five. He was an honorable mention in my book. Maybe just getting that fifth pick. But for my second guy, my second guy, I'm going to the studio. This guy, you know him. I will say, I hated how he wasn't with the main guys like he was last year and in previous March Madness. I'm going Clark Kellogg. Ooh. I, I love Clark Kellogg. His once again his his analysis is top notch telling you at halftime perform at halftime events why what uh the coaches need to do to adjust to get their teams back. And I mean Clark kind of fooled me because Clark was like, Illinois is winning this game against Loyola. Brad Underwood's going into that uh he's going into that uh locker room, kicking maybe kicking some trash cans, getting that not getting them back in the game, but Love Clark Kellogg. I wish he was with uh, Gumble. He was with Gumble, but I wish he was with uh, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley, like he has in past years. It was Gumble, uh, Kenny Smith, Kenny the Jet Smith, Chuck Barkley, and uh, what you call it, uh, Clark. And, but this year he was with uh, uh, Seth Davis, Wally. I, I can't from I don't remember his last name. Wally something. Zerbiak. Yeah, Zerbiak, and Andy Katz was with. Uh, Chuck and Kenny in Atlanta. I wish uh, Clark Kellogg was there because I think they have great chemistry, but that is my second pick. So I've seen we – I've noticed some tendencies. I think there's going to be some analysts up in uh, your picks coming soon, some play-by-plays up in my picks soon. Yeah. Um, let's see. So this is my third pick. Um, yeah, this I did not have a list planned out, so I'm just going based off of like on the fly. Um, for my third pick – I'm going to go with a March Madness guy. I'm going to go with Vern Ludquist. I, I, I love when he does the games. He doesn't do March Madness as of late anymore, but um, I just love some of the signature calls he has. Like, how do you do? When, like, and just all the plays that he announces, I just think is unique, different perspective. But um, he brings a uniqueness to his announcing. And um, I, I, not the most, like, eccentric guy, but – um different type of announcer that I think is really unique and fits the college game well. So I wouldn't go with Vern Ludquist as my third pick. Great pick. I'm bummed. I, I loved him on SEC on CBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I can't disagree. That was a great pick, uh, but still another play-by-play guy. Uh, I, I got, I know who I'm going to take with my third pick. Uh, this man, you can't have, you can't have the final four without him. I'm taking Jim Nance. There we go. Solid pick. I, I think pick. this is a no brainer here. I don't think I have much to explain. He does great with uh, the PGA on CBS as the Masters does Super Bowl every three years. Awesome with Tony Romo on NFL on CBS. But I love how he just he's the voice in your head. Like when you're like thinking about sports, he's the narrator. Jim Nance mm-hmm. talking sports. He just. I don't know. His voice goes on great with the basketball game. He knows his stuff. I really like Jim Nance on the call. He's one of those guys where I'm not going to mute the TV. I'm going to listen to Jim Nance and see what he has to say. Uh, That's my pick, Jim Nance. He's my first play-by-play guy to go off the board. So, uh, I need some analysts here. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, maybe who your possible uh, picks could be. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go with an analyst on this one. I'm just going to stay in the box, but I'm going to go with a color commentator. Um, I'm going to go with – oh, what's his – dude, I forgot. 
who was I going to say? Shoot. What, what channel is he on? Oh, I forgot. Dick Vitale. Oh, I had to, obviously. Yeah. Great uh, color commentator. Just that I'm going with a lot of guys who fit the just brings electricity to the game, brings a great atmosphere. No, yeah, I've noticed that pattern. Makes it you. a great time. That's my kind of announcer. But Dick Vitale, I mean, the excitement and the passion he has for the game is unmatched to any other announcer, especially for a guy of his age. Oh, baby. I mean, it's going crazy here down in awesome, Lexington. Baby. The Cameron Crazies are going nuts. I think Dickie V might be one of the best like guys to impersonate. Uh, trying to think of another it one. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, he just... The you can't be doing that down here in the paint, here in Bloomington, Indiana. You can't be doing that. And I just this crowd is electric. Yeah, every game. That, I think he, us just give, doing the impressions explains your pick right there. Exactly. Just him, every game, he expresses such a passion for the game. And just, I love also, he's on ESPN Bracketology. He always expresses with such a passion his empathy for a team that didn't get in. He just, he's so, he just, he's everything you want in a college basketball fan as an announcer. He's just, as a fan of the game, he's one of the best there is. Because you can just feel his excitement for what he does in the announcing box. And he's too good to keep off of either of our top five list. Oh, 100%. And a lot of guys this year were saying, oh, Dickie V might be too old. Hey. He was in a studio this year calling games. Give him a break. He's I get he's older, but he was in he wasn't at the game. He wasn't courtside where you could see all this stuff. And I think that's a big thing that guys like Bardo and Dickie V who are able to just explore the game so much and tell you what's going on around the arena that you can't see through the cameras. And when they were broadcasting in the studio, they missed that and yet we're still able to do a phenomenal job at it through a monitor. Mm-hmm. It's just that just shows you how good they are at their jobs. No doubt. All right, so looking at my list, I, I I have two analysts in mind. I'm trying to think, um, because I have I already have two analysts, but I think I have to go with a play by play guy. But I think I might save that. You know, I'm taking yeah, you know, I'm just taking the best guy available, in my opinion. I'm taking Bill Rafferty. That's this a really dude, good pick. This guy he broadcasts the final four, CBS. Onions. Everyone Man. knows. <laughs> Everyone knows. Bill Rafferty has his. He's the goat, I'd say, of analysts right now. He's been doing it forever. He's got his one-liners that are classics. And Bill Rafferty's just a great announcer. I love what he does. He gets to know the players on the teams before he calls the games, and he's been doing it for thirty plus years. I just think he's just great at his job. I, I love, him, especially him and Nance. I mean, I'm not. I, are you a big Grant Hill fan for announcing? I like Grant Hill. I think he complements the Final Four well. But Bill Rafter is definitely the dominant color oh, commentator yeah. when it comes to like just the expression, all the expressions that he says. I don't know what he's saying half the time. Bill Bill but, Rafferty and Dick Vitale. We just had the inverses of each other. They're the same guy, just different networks, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Pat. Last pick. Looking like you need an analyst. I think there's yeah. a obvious answer here yeah i need a guy from espn i i know who i'm going with you can't have college basketball with without him because you can't have much madness without him you wouldn't know what the bracket is without him the one the only greg gumbel in the studio i had to go with him. no that was my third pick that was my that was gonna be my last pick no (laughs) no i had to go with him no he's just the best he's the much madness OG, he's been doing it for about 20-some years, announcing the, the Jayhawks of Kansas. The Jayhawks of Kansas. The Duke Blue Devils. He just, you can't have a tournament without him. He's the best at announcing the field. Every time I hear his voice, hello, friends, and welcome to the 2021 hello, NCAA friends, basketball Hello, friends, it's Jim Nance. Come on. Hello, friends, I just get a Jim spike Nance. of adrenaline because I'm so excited when I hear him announce in the studio. He's so good at what he does, and... um. Just what's even more just, special is he only does the March Madness the tournament. He doesn't do the regular season. That makes no, it, he doesn't. That makes it even special because it's like Casey Stern or Adam Zucker who does like the normal. Yeah, because when you hear his yeah, the first time you hear him talking basketball is the selection show. 
uh, with the first overall pick, the Bulldogs of Gonzaga will be the number one overall seed selection by the committee. And they will play the winner of the first four <laughs> games to be played between the Spartans of Norfolk State and the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Dude, uh, Greg Gumble, dude, that was my pick, and uh, you kind of stole it. But knowing that you have to get out of here, I'm going to make this quick. I thought you were going to take this guy, but I think he's he's on the board. Got to take him. I, he's my highest left available. I'm taking Jay Billis from ESPN. Oh, great. Solid pick. I thought you were going to take him there, so I, I'm fine. I was either between – my final three picks were Brian Anderson, who's a phenomenal play-by-play. And great at MLB, too. Yeah, he's phenomenal. The MLB does the Brewers as well. Jay Billis or Dame Shulman from ESPN as well. Mm-hmm. So I was between those three guys, and I think I have to take Jay Billis here. Obviously, my draft is definitely more analyst-based. Jay Billis, I think, might be – Jay Billis is so good in the studio, and he does great games. No, he's really versatile. Yeah, he's a very versatile guy. Clark Kellogg used to be doing games. I like Clark Kellogg. I think I like Clark Kellogg better in the studio than I do broadcasting games. I don't know. If, would you agree? I mean, does he broad? He used to do some March Madness games. He used, but to, do, he, he used to do March Madness games. Yeah. But now, now he's on um studio. Studio. So Pat, I'm liking our drafts. We have to see what the what the fans got to say. So make sure you follow that Instagram. We're gonna post the poll later today. Who won, Pat? Who do you? This is gonna be tough. I'm going to leave that to the fans. I'm not going to say who I think won. I'm going to leave that to the people on Instagram. Yeah, but make sure, just for everyone to know, we're going to end this episode here. But before, what do they got to follow? They got to follow us on Twitter. Everything is going to be linked in the description of this video or on this podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Twitter, Instagram, What the, our website. Go, go drop a follow. You're going to want to vote in this poll. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Don't miss the opportunity. Let us know. Let us know with feedback. And then let us know if there's some top fives you want to see. And we'll yeah, take it. Just send us on a DM well. on the Zoomer Sports account. So that's going to be it for today. Pat's got to get over to what track practice. Or no, you got to get to work. Yeah, I have to get to work. Yeah. You still at the Walmart? Uh, No, I'm looking at the pool this summer. All right. He's got to go mm-hmm. lifeguard. He's got to go yep. save some lives. Pat, you're a true hero. We Thank should you. have a lifeguard appreciation day just for you, Pat. You, you're saving lives. It's awesome. We'll see you do. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's get out of here. Zoomer Sports Let's out. Get out here.